0: With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hungry for adventure? Then travel to A La Carte, the charming land below the floating city of heavenly delight and join the young Cook Ramen for her daily dose of wacky hijinks in the new series Delicious! With a cast of eccentric, strong female characters, this wonderfully illustrated comedy comic will be out in July, but you can pre-order now by clicking the banner on the page for this podcast. Get the limited hardcover first edition, plus free stickers and an art print as a gift. Wow! Stickers! A perfect gift for your child, or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one.
1: Meep meep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the- all
2: right, I get it now. Oh, you no. got it! Thankfully. Thank <laughs> you. Thank <Yeah>. you. Yes. <laughs> I
1: was I was waiting to see how long it would pick, take to pick up. It's like we're doing this is a prologue to Space Jam, right? We're we're getting ready. Oh yeah, totally. The Road Runner spinoff film, and then we're gonna get the Coyote spinoff, and the
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, all this, brought to you by Acme.
4: This definitely <laughs> made me want to jam. Come on and slam, for sure. Oh. The energy of this movie.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great, fun story about Anthony Bourdain and everything that comes with that, unfortunately. Yeah,
3: Yeah. it is the happy summer film.
1: Yeah, we're going to try to be positive in terms of, like, our attitude, because, you know, for the most part, the life of Anthony Bourdain does have a lot of highs and good stuff about it. It just so happens that the last third of this movie talks about the very, very low that, unfortunately, was the end of his life. And it gets dark. Mm. It gets really, really dark.
4: Yeah, this movie uses the same trick as the same director's – one of his previous movies, Won't You Be My Neighbor, where it just sets you up with so much audio from the target of the – or the focus of the documentary, where you're just like, "Ah, oh, I really do love hearing from him. Oh, listen to how great he is. And it's like progressive, like, damn it, but he's not here anymore. Now I'm going to go cry.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For uh, uh, what he's referring to – so this is the movie Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, and – the director of this is Morgan Neville, and I'm sure a few of you have know that you know that director's name. That's because he's the Oscar-winning director of 20 Feet from Stardom, but also, just as important, he's the director of Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Fred Rogers documentary, which is currently the highest-grossing documentary of all time.
3: I did not know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it is the single highest-grossing. It beat out Fair Night 9-11 and all those other films, too.
4: That's a movie I actually did walk out of semi-happy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. This one probably won't because I believe this is only, this is an HBO Max original, correct? Yes. Yes.
3: In association oh, with CNN.
1: Well, because, I mean, CNN produced so much of his content that I'm sure they had tons and tons of footage at their disposal to for him for them to use. And so it's like, well, we'll you'll scratch our back and we scratch yours kind of thing for this production.
3: <laughs> and if there's anything that made it feel like Won't You Be My Neighbor, it's the fact that... So much of it is using direct footage with its star, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like when you it's, when it's CNN, which I think he had a partnership with them. So his at, shows at, uh, parts yeah.
1: unknown, and then I think the one he did before that were produced through CNN. So
3: right, so they After had he left the no, travel channel. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there was no lack of footage.
1: Which we should, for the few of you who are probably unaccustomed to this person, Melina, why don't you give us a little setup here? Who is Anthony Bourdain?
3: Okay, well, Anthony Bourdain, I'm sure if if there's anybody out there who even kind of likes food and even kind of likes travel TV, and if you even kind of like those things put together, you are going to know who Anthony Bourdain was. He was... A very well-known chef slash food author slash food talker. You probably know his shows like Parts Unknown, like we mentioned, uh, No Reservations, which was always one of my favorite shows to mm-hmm. watch. And he was known for being kind of unconventional in the way that he would approach the idea of travel and the idea of food, where he would go to He'd go to really unconventional places all over the world. And you learn so much
1: about them. Yeah, like them. Ni- Nigeria, Hong Kong, yeah. Vietnam, and a lot of cases. Well, and it,
2: what it turned into, it evolved into him basically just going to places he's never been to and being super open to the culture, specifically through food mm-hmm. and learning about that other culture around the dinner yeah. table. Yeah.
1: And that's one of the things is that he really was a big promoter of, I guess, what people would consider peasant food. Because he's like, look... Just because we don't eat it in a Western society doesn't mean people don't eat this, and doesn't mean it's not good.
4: Mm-hmm. We just have to
1: understand why these are the cultures of their society. I mean, why these are the foods of their culture.
4: Yeah, kind of and thing. he was just yeah. such a wonderful voice for that because he kind of was that guy who. As even his good friend um, Eric Rippert says he was like, you seem like you should be that punk who doesn't know what you're doing with anything. And he comes on with very much a punk rock energy, but then he respects people and culture and dining practices. Like when he met Eric Rippert, he's like a Michelin star chef. He's like, no, he had amazing table manners. was very well read. It's like he's that guy who came out from what you expect every chef that you've ever known. If you've ever known any cook or chef in your life where it's like, oh, yeah, you guys party hard. You drink a lot. You do drugs. But then also it's like, but you know, food, you know, culture from food. And Anthony Bourdain took that to a new level that he compared to all the literature that he loved, all the movies that he loved. Like he loved everything from, you know, trash movies to, you know, French new wave. Like this guy was kind of just a weird savant from, you know, middle of nowhere in Massachusetts.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, New York specifically, too. where he, you know, he's, he is so New York every time he speaks, just like, hey, yo, I'm from New York City. Hey, try this food. You know, but (laughs) but that's the thing is like I it was funny because there's so many clips from movies that are spliced into this, and at first I'm like, oh, that's a weird stylistic choice, and then it's like, oh no 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 no. Bourdain was that crazy of a, f- a film fanatic that he would just reference things all the time to the point where it's reflected in the filmmaking.
3: Yeah, he was definitely a big geek. And if you are a frequent watcher of his shows, you know, not only was he just this titan of embracing and introducing folk culture to American audiences, but he was, it was one of those things where you'd watch enough of uh, his his shows and you're like, oh, this guy's a big geek. <laughs> like. <laughs> He loves all things movie.
1: And not just movie. He's a geek for jujitsu. He's a geek for music. He's a geek for quite a few things that I didn't even know, honestly. Yeah,
4: I, I still haven't read his first book, which I need to. Me neither. Uh, But I've, I've seen Could the movie, of course, based off of it, because that's basically what sent him to fame was. The book was really popular, and then they made a movie, and people go, oh yeah, his voice would be great on TV, and... Going from there, they're like seeing him in his first time on like a TV shoot where like he we didn't realize he was a quiet guy who didn't know how to talk to people. This was weird, and then basically they said, "Oh, but then we got him in a relaxed setting, and then he's out there like he's literally calling. I want to do this shot like this shot from this movie, and it's like, God damn, that yeah, that's kind of how I picture things. Sometimes in my life, I'm like, let me take a photo with my cell phone. If I get it like this, it looks like this shot. It's like, and you start to see kind of how much." of that geek that he was, but he was such a lovable geek where like you start to see like the two people who were longtime producers being like, once we get to start to know Anthony, it's like, you know, it was his show. And we just kind of love being there to like show his, his personality in his show.
2: And to like attest to like him putting himself in a hundred percent and whatever he does, you know, at first it was cooking. I still can't believe like he was a heroin addict and just quit mm-hmm. and never relapse. That's crazy. But like, he yeah. threw himself into this filmmaking world, which he had never been a part of. But then once he got it, he got it. And it, like, snapped in place. So you can definitely see that addictive personality that wants to learn everything and then expand from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is that even though he, you know, there's amazing that he quit cold turkey from being a heroin addict. But you can see clearly that, and the movie kind of makes this argument that he often try to find things to substitute that addiction. And it's like, yeah, he found healthy ways to do that, but then unfortunately he also found some unhealthy ways. And the movie isn't, you know, it doesn't sugarcoat it fully. It it omits a few very key details, but it makes the point just in like, oh no, there are some points, you know, at some of his lowest points in his life where it pretty much was like an addiction how he was treating this thing or treating this hobby that he was doing. Almost to the point of annoyance to the people around him. They're like, stop talking about jujitsu, dang it!
3: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the things he went through, was he apparently, like, in the latter part of his life, he did get extremely into jujitsu. not only because his wife, apparently, was a martial artist, and he kind of took off from that, but it just, it, it, it is one of the main things that this movie explores. Addict or not, he just kind of, he had that addictive personality mm-hmm. that... It's almost like a chicken and egg sort of thing where it's like, I'm sure that, you know, him quitting cold turkey from heroin, which is one of the hardest things to do. Even a lot of his friends talk about that, saying, like, you're the only person I ever knew who did that and actually never relapsed. But they they make the point of saying, in a way, the addiction never ended because Mm -hmm. not only did the addictive person, not only did he have to kind of, you know, steer his energy towards other things, but the fact that he probably had a very addictive personality is probably what led him to heroin the same way that it led him to food and the same way that it led him to jiu-jitsu and the same way that it led to some of his uh, relationships.
1: hmm You know, and that's the thing with this movie is that compared to a lot of Morgan Neville's other films, which I've, I've only seen Won't You Be My Neighbor all the way through, I've seen a bit of 20 Feet from Stardom, I kind of feel like I liked Won't You Be My Neighbor a little bit more in terms of how it's made as a movie, not to say this one's bad. It's actually a very well put together documentary in terms of editing, sound, music choices. There's not a whole lot in terms of the construction of the film that went, oh, I've never seen that in a documentary before. It's just like, yeah, it's just a very good documentary.
3: Yeah.
4: I mean, what it does that they also did with Won't You Be My Neighbor, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Senna documentary, is this is a person who had so much recordings of him out there that there's points in this movie where where there are recordings of Anthony talking, that it sounds like he's talking to the audience again in this movie. Like he's reading his own voiceover in his own documentary almost. And that's intentional. I thought that was actually a really creative choice because it also really pulls on your heartstrings if you're a longtime fan of his work going, God damn, I miss just Anthony talking to me. Just hearing him talk about a culture or his love of this thing or, you know, he was never shy about talking about his life in that, you know, about his wife, his kid, you know, his love of family, his you know, parents' lineage in France and going there with his brother and doing trips with them. And that's something that's so special to this because, you know, I think even as a fan, you can pick up watching his show that he was kind of an addict for things. He would really go whole hog into things. And it was kind of interesting to see that from a different perspective here, seeing how the negatives of that were impacting it more than even he would describe it or show it off because they don't ever show that he kind of is a guy who was really still quiet. Like, he loved... You know, monologuing. He loved that, that that old school film narration style that he had, but like he hated the public life. He absolutely detested it. And to a level that I can only think about, uh, if any of you have seen the Vampiro documentary that came out a few years ago, he may be the only other famous person I know who was like addicted to drugs, got into the family life, stopped doing drugs, and still hates being famous. <laughs> Like as much as Anthony, that's the only other comparison I can ever think of, and it's, it's kind of just makes you more and more sad as you see it, because like this guy was really happy for a long period of his life, and just mixture of just his addictive personality and hatred for his public persona just really burned him
2: out more than ever. I'm gonna challenge, I'm gonna challenge that, because I don't think he was ever happy, like truly happy. He even says that. Yeah.
3: I really did expect this to be a portrait of a life, especially because he died so recently. I thought. I was shocked at how raw they went with it because you see the people around, you know, who were so integral to his life, his producers, his his ex-wife, his friends, and how you can tell that they're all in various stages of grief because they're it's all so still fresh. dealing with it. Yeah. It's still incredibly fresh. And so for them to go as deep and dark as they did, I really was shocked. But I will say, you know, there was never a point where I thought that they went salacious or exploitative with it. No. It just felt... I thought this was going to be a portrait of a life, and it's really not. It This is the study of the psychology of a person who pretty much suffered from kind of chronic loneliness for so much of their life. Always had to have something to fill that void.
2: I really got hit hard. So I suffered from depression for like 10 years now. It sucks. Him on the couch talking to a therapist and basically saying, I don't think I can ever be happy. And like the things that he was saying completely resonated with me to the point where like i broke down because i have feelings like that sometimes and when you get to the end of this movie i mean we all know what happened to anthony bourdain but when you get to the end of the movie like i was left crushed because i was questioning like is this is this where i'm gonna end up not not famous and blah 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 blah, but like in my personal life am i gonna end up like him where eventually he just can't take it anymore i mean i haven't seen won't you be my neighbor? I really want to. I I missed it when it was in theaters, but I, I can already tell you that this one's going to be my favorite one, only because of the topics that, I mean, they're, they're talked about early on. But yeah, once you get into that second to third act, like it really starts to snowball into this. Like you can feel it, and it feels dark and and just guttural and awful. It's it's a rough film, and if and if you're not in the right place, like it can probably tear you down pretty good but i definitely don't say i wouldn't say like don't ever see it like it's it's going to help you if you're ever feeling thoughts of suicide or you're depressed or high anxiety i mean it's all about outrunning that's why they call it roadrunner it's like all about outrunning your fears Uh, Mm -hmm. uh teddy roosevelt was infamous for saying get action the reason why he did that is because anytime he'd slow down He just becomes super depressed and not want to do anything. This is a guy that, like, lost his mom and his uh, wife on the same day. And his entire life, he ran from his fears. And that's what Anthony Bourdain did. Unfortunately, he couldn't outrun it in the end.
1: No, it's, it's a pretty downer ending. But it's trying to find some glimmer of, you know, we still should treasure what we had him for, even if knowing... Like, that's the thing that shocked me the most when I saw the ending, is that we all heard the story about what happened, how he killed himself. We didn't know all the details behind it. But then when you see how everyone else was still like as crushed as they were, the fact that they knew something that this could happen, it just sheds so much light onto the struggles he had. You know, you're just shocked by it's like, Oh, this has been something that's been a long time coming. And it's so sad that it, it, there's literally points where you could see people that are like, if I just said one more thing, maybe it wouldn't have oh, ended the way
3: it did. That was yeah. such a heartbreaker of a moment because that is such a real part of the grief mm-hmm. process. Especially when you're early in it and you're still kind of in the denial phase where you're like, if I had just said this or if I had just done this, then maybe it would have been different. And you're like, that is someone who still has a long way to go in terms yeah. of dealing with it. And it could be years before they come to the realization it's not anybody's fault
2: no No. he he ultimately took his own life Uh,
3: yeah the
1: movie definitely makes that conclusion yeah
2: yeah yeah. like and and not that that's being mean to him but it was his decision Mm -hmm. he made it whatever circumstances were surrounding his mindset obviously affected him but he ultimately took his own life
4: yeah i think the point because i i watched this last out of all four of us and so everybody had already said this was a gut punch of a movie and i kind of knew it going in sorry and i was ho- no, no no it's good cuz uh honestly i was coming off a work day and i was like i i know this is going to be a gut punch i need to get to this and i thought it was holding strong and it really gets to a point where david chang features prominently in this and if you don't know david chang you're not a food you know journalism and Chef mm-hmm. fan, but the man's just a wonderful ball of joy most times. And there's just one scene where he mentions where Anthony basically lashed out at him and it just breaks him on oh, camera. Yes. And if you know David Chang, like that just tore at my heart immediately. Where I'm like, that was brutal Shit. as a dad, yeah, like, like that. Yeah. And then, like, it, yeah, you get through the rest of the movie and just it really, the last half, like from that point on, pretty much, is when it will just start tearing you down. Like, I got out of this movie and like I basically. Crashed like I just like I I ate the le- like a taco that I had left for when I finished work and passed out and woke up to my partner texting. He's like, "Hey, watch that movie." I'm like, "Yeah, do you, do you want to come over? I could kind of use some company." Like it was, Aww. and I'm I'm not I'm not I'm one of those people who's been lucky enough to not suffer from depression, which I don't know how, but seriously, just like that was a night where I'm like, I just need someone else here to you know, take my mind off that for a little bit because it, it, it hurts, especially, again, with such a public person that was in my life. Like, I remember watching all through high school, college, and past that, his shows and them being, like, kind of a ritual almost and his voice just being kind of one of those things that brought culture and, you know, some joy and some relaxation after some of my own stressful times. So, yeah, it really That hurt. was always
3: the draw of him and what people, you know, loved so much about him and made you feel like you had a relationship with him. And the movie, I think, is it does a great job of going into that and it feels so true the way that they the way that they show it to you how anthony bourdain it took him a little bit to find his groove you know this was a guy who just Mm -hmm. always wanted to travel and after he wrote after he wrote his book he was ready to just go back to the simple life he didn't want to do the interviews or do the public or the junkets anymore but these producers came to him and said we would like to follow you around with cameras while you travel around the world and you get uh, introduced to the folk culture and the food. And he was like, Oh, whether there's cameras on me or not, I've always wanted to travel. This is my way of doing it. Yeah. And he, this is a guy who was like, who's the definition of like a reluctant, like found fame reluctantly. Mm-hmm. It was a means to an end. And the true, the true end that he wanted was just to go and experience the world. And every time you watched those shows, that's what you loved about it. Cause you felt like you were going with him and that you oh, were yeah. learning so many great things about these places that. The media at the time and now just totally ignores
1: exactly well you should probably start winding down here we're starting at the 20 minute mark, but you know i i'll just start with by saying for final thoughts i really enjoy this movie now when i say that i like won't you be my neighbor a little bit more i feel that's more on a subjective level just because i guess i relate a little more to mr rogers and his concepts of like you know his personal philosophies than anthony bourdain because my goodness, Anthony Bourdain was a dark, dark dude. Like even outside of the stuff in his life, just his personal philosophies, the more you learn into them, you're like, "Oh my goodness." <laughs> you know? But but that's what makes it so fascinating cuz I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all really going into this movie. And I feel like the purpose of a good documentary is that I should learn something by the end of it. And I felt like I learned a lot from this documentary. It's, it's overall really well put together. It's got great music choices. Like, freaking, it ranges from music from the Queens of the Stone Age to samples from Hereditary at points where I'm like, oh, I know that tune. <laughs> Why do I feel so depressed and anxious right now? But all that stuff is great. It's really great to see a lot of stuff about his family and friends. I actually really appreciated the fact that they didn't have any modern footage of his daughter. I was going to say,
2: that's where the exploitation would come in. Or yeah. if they would have followed, you know, the circumstances under which he killed himself. I I, it would have been too salacious. It wouldn't have been informed. It would have erased all the good the first two acts set up if they would have gone that way. No, I
1: agree. I will say though, I guess I kind of alluded to this before we started recording that there's some things they very clearly avoided in the third act, particularly with you know we just got to mention that Ajah Argento does feature prominently into the last part of his life, and we know things about Arja Argento, which is why she's not in a lot of stuff anymore. Let's just say that. And they definitely avoided a lot of that stuff. And, you know, I get it. Again, it's not the salacious stuff. Although there's one thing that like directly tied Anthony Bourdain to her big thing that happened that I thought would have been at least mentioned just about how complicated that made things. Especially when they go into his Me Too activism that he was doing, which, well, I, it's interesting to see the way they frame it as if almost it's like, yeah, one thing that he's trying to be a crusader and that stuff, but it almost became like weirdly obsessive like again it was another addiction to fill the void in his in his life kind of thing mm-hmm. to the point you're like yeah man you're pushing away everybody just by like oh well i'm you know you're going to get canceled too kind of thing which was depressing that was really depressing to learn about that so to make my winding thoughts go down really easier right now <laughs> it's just say <laughs> i like this i i really enjoyed this i it, this is not one that's easy to rewatch but i am glad i watched it this one time i think that it really Resonated with me when I walked out of it kind of thing. So I'm going to give it 8.5 out of 10 very beautiful shots from Christopher Doyle.
4: (laughs) Yeah, this was one that I signed up for and did not watch anything or read anything about it. So I did not expect the darkness in it when I came to it. But I can't say I'm upset that it went there. It was important. I think, you know, if Anthony was still with us and he had a documentary about his life while he was still alive... And nobody touched on the darker points of his life. I think he'd be pissed too. Like it's he's that guy who's always very honest. Like if somebody asked him pointedly about you know how he was doing, he'd never lied to anyone about that. And I think that's great. I mean, won't you be my neighbor? Like this is a movie that made me tear up, but it made me kind of happy cry. Like there's the point in this movie that kind of parallels that where you know there's a point in won't you be my neighbor where they kind of have people kind of do a thing that Fred Rogers would have people do in the show just to you know, think positively. And it's a beautiful scene that's, you know, quiet and peaceful. and So they parallel that kind of here with when people are talking about how they dealt with the day when they found out about Tony's passing. There's one, the hardest one for me was honestly the guy talking to his kid. And his kid goes, well, why don't you tell me how Tony died? And it's just like, he's like, I had to have a talk with my seven-year-old. And it's just, "Oh, Christ. It's it, hard. It really yeah. tears you apart because it is, as we said, it's very fresh still for these people. But... As I, said, I I love how it also seems so therapeutic for a lot of them. It really, it, I think it's worth that... it. If you've watched anything Anthony did, if it ever touched you in any way or knew any of his work, if you've ever been like a chef and you read his book and you just said that's special, like, I especially think there, I know a lot of chefs and cooks, and I know that some of the stuff is stuff that a lot of them still deal with, and they loved Anthony for that, and I think... I think everybody kind of really should see this if you have any kind of connection to him or the worlds that he touched because christ it was it it knocked me on my ass for a sunday night but it was worthwhile so i'm gonna give it eight and a half out of ten really defaced murals
2: (laughs) (laughs) i knew of anthony bourdain i never really watched him way back when he started because i maybe i didn't understand the point or i was a completely different person back then too uh but I had always seen like clips and I understood kind of like the character he was and always appreciated him for that. So that's why I signed up for this so I could learn more because he seems like an interesting character.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: He says he's not a journalist at one point or he he claims not to be a journalist, but like he's such a journalist. The fact that uh, uh, more of a gonzo journalist like Hunter S. Thompson, but mm-hmm. yeah. the type of person that will immerse themselves in the topic Rather than just, like, researching it and, like, oh, yeah, there's a quote from some dead person I could put into this. Like, he lives it. And he lived it. And when he was in Beirut and a a war broke out between Hezbollah and the Israelis, Mm -hmm. like, you could tell that was a huge turning point for him where it's, like, this isn't just me stuffing my face with food. Like, these are real people. These are real problems. And it it seems like, yeah, you know, he's not going out and talking about wars and stuff like that. But the fact that he's going out and showing us, specifically Americans, because let's face it, we're pretty racist sometimes. To go to these different countries and just sit down with people. They're just like us. They speak a different language and they eat different food. That's the only thing. They all have the same aspirations as we do. They all want to be a better versions of themselves and i think that at least from what i gather from this movie that is what anthony was on this earth to do um so i i i appreciate him for that i'm definitely probably going to go back and rewatch some of his stuff just because i like cooking and i i love travel shows but he he definitely was taken out of the game too soon and maybe he was tired and you know it, some would say suicide. I mean, it was on his own terms too, so maybe he was done. But that doesn't take away from what he's contributed to—not only art, you know, travel documentaries, journalism. Like he's—he's he's forever, ing- forever ingrained in our society. That all being said, I will give this movie nine point three Hunter S. Thompsons out of ten. <laughs>
3: There can only be one Hunter S. Thompson. (laughs) Yeah, he was like such a world beater. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you guys are saying. This is a movie that I did not come into. I did not come out of with my rating decided. I didn't even go into this review with my rating decided because I thought talking about it and kind of getting to finally digest it a little bit is kind of what helped more cement my opinion of it. And as a result of that, I think, yeah, it is much more obvious to me now how positively I do feel about this, despite the fact that I didn't really feel happy in any way coming out of it. <laughs> it is definitely a movie that I I remember when I got done with it, I sent a thing to the channel saying, be in a good place when you watch this movie.
1: I know. And then me being like, oh, it can't be that dark. And then it's like, oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wanna bet? Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's dark in the way that a lot of great art is dark. Where it actually is, it is communicating a very sad but very universal truth about the psychology of someone who was struggling whether they're famous or not and anthony bourdain was someone who had a love-hate relationship even while he was alive apparently he was he was very out about how he just had a love-hate relationship with fame but i think the movie's very brave in that it's willing to explore it probably the way he would have wanted them to Mm -hmm. all i'm going to say is yeah if you're in a really dark place Wait until you see this. You know, be in a good place where you're feeling stable. But when you do, you will, you will not feel hurt or targeted by this film. It will probably really speak to you. It definitely spoke to me. I'm gonna give this eight and a half out of ten. Strategically placed shots of apocalypse. Now,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so many shots of apocalypse. Now, this. Movie. If you
2: are feeling depressed, blue, whatever thoughts of suicide even if it's not thoughts of suicide but you feel helpless suicide prevention hotline is out there there's plenty of people you can talk to online even if you feel 100% alone there's always somebody out there that wants to know you and your story so don't give up
3: yeah yeah absolutely
2: to also
1: add one little funny thing, just to try to end on a light note as well. <laughs> what? That Please. wasn't funny. No, but you know, it's funny. I, my first major exposure to Anthony Bourdain was actually from The Big Short when he cameoed in that as himself. But
3: oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, but I will say I've now found my new favorite cameo through this film when seeing him in Yo Gabba Gabba, oh.
2: which was awesome. <laughs> he
3: was in Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah, that's
2: what that that weird scene was where he was like the Doctor Dr. Tony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I'm just like,
1: oh, this is my favorite thing now.
3: (laughs) I know. It was so sweet.